Hello, this is Pastor Bob Gray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast here at Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. I trust the services will be a blessing to you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. You can find our information on the website at ebclongview.com. Let's go right into the services of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Enjoy God's Word. Take your Bibles, go to Acts chapter 5. Uh, we have arrived at Acts chapter 5, and I'm going to uh, kind of give a synopsis about uh, where we've been so far. Uh, so, Brother Brown, it's good to have your dad, and I like Brother John. Looking forward to shaking your hand, sir. And, and uh, brother, brother Brown Jr., if you'd grow your beard just a little bit longer, if it could be just a little bit grayer, you could be a twin back there. Amen. And uh, so, uh, when, when we come to the book of Acts, and we're in Acts chapter 5, uh, we now understand that the church did not start in the book of Acts. It just continued uh, on. So it started under the earthly ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. The church has always existed for the propagation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A lot of times churches think that this gathering is for something other than what it was intended for. The only reason we have gathered is so that we can scatter. That's the only reason. We gather to get back to our main purpose, and then we scatter to let everybody else know what is going on. Here, in, and if you could, um, go, go to Mark chapter 16. We're going to go all the way back and look at Mark chapter 16 as you, as you kind of chart the growth of the church. In Mark chapter number 16, and uh, let's kind of look at what is going on. Mark chapter 16 and verse number 14 um, you'll find there, and afterwards he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them uh, which had seen him after he was risen. So we know that there's eleven. Now go to Acts chapter 1 and verse number 15. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 15. So now the Lord is risen and uh, this assembly is now meeting in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 15. And now we see that the assembly, or this core group, it has grown to 120. Now this is very important for what we're about to talk about. It has grown to 120, and we'll find that in Acts 1.15. And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said the number of names together were in about 120. Now go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. Acts chapter 2 and verse 41 and now we see that the church has grown in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. And they that, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. The same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So the church is constantly growing. This is, this is going to be very important that we understand that the church grew on the message of the risen Savior. The church did not grow because of a building. It didn't have a building. The church didn't grow because of a program. The only reason the church existed was because of the message of the risen Savior. And any time that that becomes our message, there comes obstacles along the way with that message. A lot of times people think that in church work, that uh, if, if, if we do experience problems, it's because you're doing something wrong. Can I just tell you, sometimes when you experience problems... It's because you're doing something right. We want church with no persecution. We want church with no problems. 
So as we walk through the book of Acts, we now arrive at Acts chapter 2 as the day of Pentecost, and we know that. Go to the end of Acts chapter 2 in verse 41, 3,000. Look what it says here in verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the, what please, apostles' doctrine. And that doctrine we're going to find out in Acts chapter 5, we're getting ready to look at. But that apostles' doctrine right there, a lot of times we think that the doctrine is a lot of other things. That apostle's doctrine right there was this. You ready? He's alive. He's alive, which means he's God. Which means that God can fix any problem that a human being has. This is what the world thought they lost when Jesus Christ was, was crucified, was buried, and he rose again. Well, now he's no longer physically present so now we cannot have our world changed. And this is why sometimes people think, well, you know, the church back there in the book of Acts, they had more power than the church today has. That's not true. We have the same Holy Spirit, we have the same Word of God, and we have the same power. When you walk through Acts chapter 2, now we come to Acts chapter 3. So in Acts chapter 3, they're meeting needs in the end of Acts chapter 2. We come to Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Right out of the chute, you have the church, now in the book of Acts chapter 2, it explodes the 3,000. They now are meeting everybody's needs. They now are in one accord. There are less than 120 people in this auditorium right now. This was about the size of the core of what was assembled in the upper room. From that core, they mushroomed to thousands. You know, it is, it is, it is amazing to me, and we're going to look in Acts chapter 5, it is amazing to me how that we think think we have to have thousands to reach thousands. That's not true. That is not true. The starting point for church growth is found here in Acts chapter 3, and that is the lame man. You see, this whole thing started out to where they were just meeting needs. That's all they were doing. At the end of Acts chapter 2, if you'll go back, Acts chapter 2, Look what it says there. And they continue steadfastly. And then uh, look at verse 45. And sold their possessions and goods and parted to them all to all men as every man had need. Everything was about meeting a need. There was a need at the end of Acts chapter 2. Now there is a need at the beginning of Acts chapter 3. And now we go all the way through Acts chapter 4. And the entire Two chapters here, Acts 3 and Acts chapter 4, is now solely around this one thing. People are being healed. This lame man now is walking, and at the beginning of chapter 4, and as they spake unto the people and the priests, the captain of the, uh, uh, of the temple, uh, and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus Christ the resurrection from the dead, and they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. And now, in verse number four, we find that the church now has grown 
to 5,000, which includes the 3,000. And so now they're walking through and uh, being let go, verse number 23, and being let go, they went their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hath made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Now, if you would, go all the way down to verse 34. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. Look at this. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had what? Need. Again, the church is defined by the meeting of needs. That's what we're here for. There are two great needs that are going on. There are the needs of the believers inside the church. We, we had a need just this past week of raising $500 for our special needs class. Like that, we raised 600 and something dollars. Do, do you know what that means? That we are the right kind of church. We are good at meeting needs. But then we find out that, that on the outside of the church, their greatest need is to see Jesus Christ. Their greatest need is to be saved. And the power that exists for this kind of salvation that people need, guess who's going to get this done? You and I are going to get this done. You are not a spectator. You're not. You and I are not a spectator. Guess what you and I are? We're participators. And there are many times that we think, no, pastor, I, I need to be able to sit on the sideline because I need to heal a little bit or I've got things I've got to take care of. Well, while you're healing and while you're taking care of things, guess what we're to do? We're to tell people about Jesus Christ and we are to tell them about the risen Savior. We come to Mark, I mean, to Acts chapter 5. When we come to Acts chapter 5, I want you to look at verse 28 because this will be the key verse for tonight. Acts chapter 5 and verse number 28. Saying, did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name? Behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. Would you look at that? They had filled Jerusalem with this doctrine. What was the doctrine? That Jesus Christ is alive. I'm going to ask you a very pointed question, and I'm not preaching to the wall now. I'm asking everybody in this room. Is there somebody in the last seven days that you have filled them with the doctrine, Jesus Christ is alive? Everybody has a personal responsibility. And I know right now this may be a time for you just to zone out or do whatever you feel like you need to do. But listen to the words of the, of the text. The reason the church was a force in Acts chapter 5 is because the apostles filled Jerusalem with this doctrine. And that doctrine was Jesus Christ is alive. And Jesus Christ still today wants to do miracles like he did when he was walking this earth. This was not soon. Acts chapter 5 is not so far removed from the crucifixion that they were there. 
when he was crucified, but the same things were happening. People were being healed. People were being transformed. And miracles were happening, and they were getting upset. Look at verse, uh, Acts chapter 5, and if you would. And it's very interesting here in verse number 12. And it says, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And so here you have, it's a continuation. The religious group that was in play here were the Sadducees. Let's pick up in verse number 17. We're going to walk through verse number 17 through the end of the text. And here we go. You ready? Look at verse 17. Then the high priest rose up, and all that they were, that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees. Now, this would not have been a big deal in this text right here if somebody else had been in rule. There were religious sects that were involved. If the Pharisees had been the ones in rule, then the preaching of the name of Jesus Christ would not have been a big deal. If the scribes had been the ones that were ruling, this would not have been a big deal. The reason this was a big deal and the reason that the high priest at this time was part of the Sadducees and they had this power to put people in the jail is because now all of a sudden the message is going against what is going on with the religious, with the religious right. Go to Acts 23 and verse number 8 just to confirm tonight in the Bible study in Acts 23 and verse number 8. Look at Acts chapter 23 and verse number 8. For the Sadducees, Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit. Look what it says here. But the Pharisees confess both. You see, if the Pharisees had been the one that had been in rule during this time in Acts chapter 5, this would not have been a big deal. They believed in this kind of stuff. But the Sadducees did not believe in this. The miracle working power, go back to Acts chapter 5, and we're going to walk through some verses here. The, the miracle working power that is going on here in Acts chapter 5 is called apostolic power. I cannot stress this enough when it comes to church. Where then is the miracle and the signs and the wonders that go on today? You know where the miracle and the signs and wonders that go on today is when somebody gets saved and then all of a sudden the outside of them catches up with what happened to them on the inside. There, there are many people who believe that, boy, if, if there's not an instantaneous change on the, ins, on the outside, then nothing real happened on the inside. I, I will tell you that we better be careful about being fruit inspectors to where we feel like that, that boy, if we liken it to birth, uh, coming down the hallway, stepped outside while Brother John was singing, taking prayer requests, and there stood Blake with that little bitty baby. How dare that baby not walk? Because if it was alive, it'd be walking, right? This is called growth. This is called growth. And to the degree that your flesh and my flesh have picked up on the bad things in life, it is to this degree that the Spirit of God has to work on somebody. That's why the younger we can get them the gospel the less they're fighting with their flesh and the more they can pick up and they can go. I, I don't know about you, but I'm amazed. I am amazed 
at the Christianity and the love for the Lord that the young people have around here because you look at the innocence and you go, man, man, now that's refreshing. I think Brother Summerford put it best, Josiah gave his uh, testimony Sunday and in him giving his testimony Sunday, he was kind of, kind of bemoaning that I got saved at such a young age. Uh, can I tell you, Brother Summerford said to him, that's a great testimony. To get saved at a young age and to avoid all the junk, that is amazing. I'm going to make a very bold statement. The reason we are not seeing more lives changed with the gospel is because we are not giving more of the gospel. That's the only reason. Anytime somebody says in a church, well, I'm just not seeing anything happening in a church, then my question to them is, how much did you give the gospel? How much are we giving the gospel? Because the gospel will work. It will take somebody and turn them completely around to the point to where you no longer have to self-motivate them. They kickstart themselves. But it's not them. You know what it is? It is the power of the Holy Ghost that lives on the inside. Saturday, uh, Brother Josiah and I, we, we were able to lead uh, these two teenage boys to the Lord. And, uh, and they, they prayed and invited Christ into their heart. I look up Sunday morning, and one of them standing right down here, and he's got a Bible in his hand. And, uh, and I said, man, it is good to see you at church. He said, strange. I woke up early today, and I was excited about coming, and here I am. This is wonderful. How does that happen? How does that? You know how that happens? It's called the Holy Spirit of God. And now, all of a sudden, this early church is, is starting to experience some things. We're going to go through Acts chapter 5, verse 17, and let's give some information, and then let's look at a couple of things. Acts chapter 5 and verse 17. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on them, uh, uh, and laid their hands on the apostles, and put them in the common prison. So now because they're preaching this doctrine, they now have been put into prison with the vilest of offenders. We're going to talk about right now the deliverance of the apostles. The, 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 the apostles are put in a prison. Now look at verse number 19. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go, stand, and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Look at verse 21. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning. There was a deliverance that happened. And I am always amazed. Listen, if we want God to do something supernaturally in our church, then we must be committed to filling East Texas with the doctrine of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you, you're, you and I are either causing trouble inside the church or we're causing trouble outside the church. Y'all hear that? We're either trying to stir something up in the church or we're trying to stir up Jesus Christ outside the church. I, I get so focused at times on the mission of the church and 
I get so focused sometimes on, man, we got to get the gospel. We, we, we got we to gotta go talk to that person. We got to go talk to that person. And many times, Brother Frankie sent me in somebody, hey, this person needs to be talked to. And, and there's a long list that I have that it's like, man, I need to go give them the gospel. And I need to go give them, them the gospel. And then all of a sudden when somebody says, hey, you know, we got a problem. It's like, we got a problem? Why would we have a problem? And I've known this to be true. Are you ready? When somebody is like, we just need to get the gospel to as many people as we can get the gospel to, then guess what they cannot do and they will not do inside the church? Create problems. You can't. It all depends where your focus is at. And that's why it'd be very interesting to me that anybody, we're talking about some other church now, any other church, that when problems arise, then the question would be this. Can I ask you a question to, to whoever the individual is? How consistently are you talking to people about the risen Savior? And how consistently are you rallying other people to go talk to somebody about the risen Savior? The early church was amazing because they filled Jerusalem. They filled Jerusalem with this message, that this message was, hey, the Lord is alive. And then when they found themselves in a situation, the Lord was always delivering. There is something wonderful when the Lord does deliverance, and a hundred times a church can find themselves, what are we going to do how are we going to get this done? You know what the answer is? Go preach more Jesus. But get ready. The more Jesus you preach, the more opposition you're going to have. And it should not surprise me. It, I should not be shocked that the more that I step out and preach the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the more problems that you have to take care of. Now, when I start talking this way, there are people listening to me right now by, by way of live stream or later on or even right now that they immediately will run to the problems in the church. If you couldn't run to one, then you must be part of that group that's giving the gospel out. Because to not be in the middle of drama is a beautiful thing. <laughs> it is just a beautiful thing. And do you know how you stay out of drama inside the church? You create drama outside the church. You know how you create drama out there? Just talk about Jesus. In the barbershop, uh, they, uh, they, uh, they say, you don't talk about three things in the barbershop. Three things? You don't talk about religion, right? You don't talk about politics. Are those the only two? Is that what they say? Right, those two. And the other day I was getting a haircut and uh, and uh, somebody had piped up about politics. And I said to uh, Jacob, said, oh, oh, you open the door because now I get to talk about religion. <laughs> and, the guy, and the guy sitting across, he was like, can I take that back? I said, nope, because you opened the door. You talked about politics. I get to talk about religion. And this is a good day. Jesus is alive. And, 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 and you know, it was kind of hurting business uh, going on right there. So always remember this. That God will deliver. Whenever you find yourself in a situation, are you in that situation 
because of the drama that is self-inflicted like Ananias and Sapphira at the beginning of chapter 5, or is it because we are just preaching the gospel? Our job, Brother Bowen used to say this when we were in, in Bible college, our job is to preach the gospel and then handle any problems that come as a result of that. Just give the gospel. And then anything that happens as a result. So this deliverance that they experienced in the early church, look at verse number 23. I I love this. You ready? But when the officers came and found them not in prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety, and the keeper standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. Look at verse 24. Now, when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. You you know what they were thinking? Oh, my goodness. This is going to start growing. Look look at verse 27. There's something wonderful here about the resolve. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, look at this, We ought to obey God rather than man. That, that kind of resolve is missing. It just is. It just is. When we face the least amount of persecution, you know, as I was preaching Sunday night, I was thinking about the fact of, of the people who gave their life. We are, we are so, I believe, in, in this day and age in the, in the New Testament church, we are so sensitive to the fact of pushback that we don't even realize that the apostles in the book of Acts, they suffered, but guess what they did? It just created more of a resolve. Whenever you're told you're crazy, don't say that. Don't speak that. Do you know that's when you find out, who are we? And at some point, that's when you kind of, nope, you step right back up. You, you, you step right back up to the plate. Because you're going to find out that the resolve of the apostles. Now you have this early church, and there was a thinking that was trying to creep into the early church. And, and, and let's deal with this now. There was this thinking that was creeping in. So here you have these extreme people that were stepping out on the risen Savior. They were finding themselves in trouble. They were delivered. And now there's this resolve that says, no, we got to obey God more than we need to obey man. But would you look at the thought? Look, look at verse number 34. In Acts chapter 5, in verse 34, look what it says. Then stood up uh, up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel. Now you're getting ready to find the mindset of the Pharisees. If the Pharisees were in charge, this would have been the mindset of the Pharisees. Where the Sadducees were committing them to prison, and where the Sadducees were trying to stop the doctrine. Gamaliel was a doctor of the law, he was a Pharisee, look what he said, had in reputation among all the people and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space and said unto them, ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rode up Thutius, boasting himself to be somebody, 
to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who was slain, and all, as many as obeyed him, were scattered and brought to naught. After this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him. He also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, look at his thinking, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. If the Pharisees had been ruling in the high priest office at this time, the Pharisees' approach to this doctrine would have been this. Let's wait and see how it all turns out. Let's let's not really weigh in because if you weigh in on this and they're right, then you fought against God. You see, the Pharisees knew the history and they knew the, the, the Torah. They knew the God of Israel back there that took out Korah. And, and, and took out Pharaoh. And they know that when you fight against God. So since we don't know exactly if this doctrine is going to go anywhere. Then how about we just play it safe. Let's play it safe and kind of back up and don't do anything. There is something to be said about a belief system. There's something to be said about I believe. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that this is the right way to do church. I believe. And it doesn't matter what difficulties we go through. I believe. And when you stand on that belief system. But when a church takes a Gamaliel position. And that is this. We don't know. Let's just wait to see how this turns out somebody's going to get run over. God stepped out and said, I am the Son of God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Then we should be able to step out and say, no, I believe this. There are a lot of churches right now that are watering down their doctrine and they're watering down who they believe because they're not convinced this is the right way. Well, the only thing that's going to happen there is all of a sudden we become part of this wait-and-see group That never works. You know what the apostle said? We ought to obey God rather than man. And even logic, listen, I'm about to tell you, even when you try to logic with somebody, it still doesn't work. Did y'all hear that? It still doesn't work. Because look what he said in verse number 37. He said said to them back up in, in, in verse number Uh, let's see here, verse number 38, I'm sorry, verse number 38. Now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest ye happily be found even to fight against God. He said, gentlemen, even a Pharisee, a doctor of the law, said to this crowd, leave them alone. Just, just leave them alone. Question, did he change the crowd? Look what they did. Verse 40, and to him they agreed, 
And when they called the apostles and beaten them. (laughs) Y'all listen to this. Even the wait and see crowd. Gamaliel said, guys, refrain from this. You know what they said? We agree with you. And then they beat them. Y'all, listen. It doesn't matter which way you go. You believe something, you're going to get beat. It it doesn't matter. And that's why these apostles said this. This early church gave us the footprint for this one thing. We have to fill Jerusalem with the message. Jesus is alive. Jesus can change your life. He can do anything you want him to do. Our God can turn your world around. And then when people start fighting against that, then that should deepen our resolve to say, no, no, I don't have to wait and see if this is the right way to do it. Jesus is alive. Let's get that message out. And we have backed up as a church. We have. We have backed up as a church to where we are not as filling Jerusalem with the doctrine. Fill Jerusalem. Everywhere you go, fill your Jerusalem. Everybody ought to know you are about the risen Savior. And what the average believer does is the average believer doesn't talk about Christ until the opportunity is right. Y'all listen, do you you know what the right opportunity is? It's wherever you're at. It's wherever you're at. And there are many times that that if you would look at, I should say, look at the mindset, if you will. Look at the mindset in uh, verse 41. And they departed from the presence of the councils. They let them go. They said, don't don't speak in the name of Jesus anymore. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer what, please? Shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. There, There is something wonderful. Let me tell you, there's something wonderful about somebody telling you to stop and you say, nope, I'm going to keep telling people about Jesus Christ. Can I ask you a question? How many people this past seven days have you told about Jesus Christ? How many people these last seven days have you on purpose, purpose, told about Jesus Christ? The Achilles heel of being raised in a church like this is that you feel like you've put your time in. I've already been there. I've already done that. I gave my dedication. You know, we're like Mormons, I think. I gave my two years. <laughs> I went on my missions trip. I, 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 I did that Saturday thing. I did that third. I went on my, you know what? I'm not asking you for a time. I'm asking you for a life. And I truly believe that the church grew because their doctrine filled the city. And people's lives were being changed at such a high rate of speed that all of a sudden, this is the reason. Listen to me, your pastor is only one person. Your pastor is only one person. I can only fill Jerusalem with the message of the risen Savior. I'm only one person. I'm only one. But I can tell you this, that I have seen God work in people. I stand here on Sunday morning, and there are people sitting in this auditorium that God has answered their prayer. And that they didn't go to church anywhere. 
and I'm preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Savior. How did he get them to come to church? Because the Lord changes their life. And I would just beg you, if, if you've you got a wonderful thing going, everybody here, take tracks with you. Get the message of Jesus Christ out and start watching people, uh, people come to church with you. There, there ought to be something in you and I that says, I, I want to be influential. I, I want somebody to come to church. Saturday, LaWanda gives me an address to go by. And uh, so I went by. And so, I'm, so Josiah and I are talking to this family. And uh, dad comes to the door. And uh, I said, hey, how you doing? He said, they call me daddy. I said, well, I'm not calling you daddy. What do they call you? Larry. I said, all right, I'll call you Larry. And uh, Larry, his mom, his, his, excuse me, his wife, and the mother of these children in the house, there's probably six, seven of them, they were in church Sunday. They were in church. They were sitting right there. Because of me? No. Because Lawanda Tave had told them what Jesus had done for her. And they were like, well, if Jesus has done that for you, I want Jesus to do that for me. They're everywhere. The church is here to meet people's needs. Pray. Why don't you pray this week? God, would you use me? I, I, I just don't want to be Gamaliel. I just want to sit back and let's wait and see how this whole thing turns out. It only turn out like you and I want it to turn out when it comes to the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, you could turn somebody's world upside down. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast of the sermons from Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. We trust that the sermons and God's word was a blessing to you and yours. Please visit us at ebclongview.com. If we can do anything for you, please let us know. Have a great day.